0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi everybody and welcome to Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, swords little bits of history that don't quite fit anywhere else with me your host Katie Charlwood history harlot and reader of books so my voice still hasn't fully returned obviously and I'm I'm not feeling great but I'm hoping you find this voice very mm, alluring and sexy but yeah it's just been a bit of a been a bit of a week but look here's a sword haven't had one of these in a while and it's festive yay it's it's <laughs> it's one of those things so i've been trying to um do a lot more work for the podcast and i have some plans for some really fun stuff in the new year and I, it's it's a lot of i've taken a lot of notes and i want to be able to do stuff when my brain and voice are working in tandem you know instead of just i'm gonna say coasting coasting so i had some amazing brilliant reviews actually from some of you and i was hitting like number 20 on like the uk pestry spotify chart which is amazing i mean it would be amazing to go higher if people would just rate me on Spotify and then share me with all their friends and make them listen to me I'm just I'm just giving you options (laughs) and I had like two people reach out to me about like maybe helping me find an agent which would be really nice because I really think I need one because things are things are progressing and I think I need an agent so that I can make money so that I can pay an editor to make this just a better quality like podcast because it's it's tough when it's just me recording in my pajamas curled up under the covers in my bedroom listen it's fucking baltic here it's so cold and there's like ice warnings here well yeah there's an orange weather warning which is super fun and not at all an inconvenience to the point where i actually have to stay like an hour away in the town where I work so I actually have to stay there overnight on Friday because otherwise it's like a stupid o'clock morning bus I have to get and there's no guarantee that I'll get to the bus or that the bus will make it through at that time in the morning because of all the frost and ice and snow so that's that's a super fun thing uh, luckily luckily, I, I think I might have that covered I might have somebody stay and if I don't I'm just gonna have to fork out for a hotel room, even though I spent all my money buying Christmas presents for my kids. But it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Shh. Don't panic. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, quit that jibber jabber, and fact me. In fact you, I will. But first, we've gotta get our source on. Our sources are Christmas and the Crosshairs. 2,000 Years of Denouncing and Defending the World's Most Celebrated Holiday by Jerry Bowler Dickens and the Construction of Christmas by Jeffrey Rowell The Lords of Miss Rowell, The Puritans' War on Christmas by Chris Durston And Yuletide Outlaws by Rachel Schnepper Are you sitting comfortably? Good, then let's begin. So let's talk about the origins of Christmas. Yeah. So here's, here's the fun fact. As context, as a beginning baseline, Christmas is not a biblical holiday. Holy day. Holiday, holy day. Ah, see what happened there? Yeah. So Christmas is not a biblical holiday. It's, it's not. It is a public holiday, it is a federal holiday, it is a secular holiday, but it is not a biblical holy day. We need to keep that in mind before we go into the rest of this, because pal, you can read the Bible cover to cover, you can whirr through those leafy pages, but no, nowhere in the Bible does it state that Christmas is a biblical holy day. Nor that it should be. So that should give some context to why things kind of went the way they did for a while. So to start off, Christmas wasn't always celebrated on December 25th. It wasn't until like 300 years after Jesus died that Pope Julius, I think it was Julius, was all like, no, that's, that's when Christmas is going to be. This exact time... Which just so happens to coincide with this pagan festival of Saturnalia. So like, the birth of Christ was celebrated as like January 6th, March 29th, and June sometime. Like, it it was kind of all over the shop, you know what I mean? And then, Pope Julius is like, no, 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 no. This is, it's going to be this day. It's going to be this day. So, usually, when something like that happens, when you sort of take like a particular festival or a particular tradition and you try and take it over you usually adopt bits of said tradition kind of like how easter which is you know the first sunday after the third full moon after the winter solstice you know it's kind of a reason why it's that weirdly specific time and it's all about eggs and Baby birds and fertility and all that kind of bunnies. Baby birds? Why did I go baby birds? Eggs. Fucking eggs, right? And bunnies, because they're always shagging in springtime. You know, back to Christmas, going off on a ramble. <sighs> Don't take coughs syrup before you start recording it. It usually doesn't end well. So, a lot of the sort of pagan festivities, uh, they just kind of carried on. Sort of intertwining with sort of Christian stuff. So prior to the Victorian era, like the celebration of Christmas was very much sort of Christian, Roman Catholic, Anglican, like Lutheran even. It was very, it was very much a purely religious celebration. And like through the medieval era, there was just some just fucking weird ass shit going on so there's this one one feast which I think we should bring back because it's fucking hilarious and it's called the feast of the ass not what you're thinking of it's the other one no no the other other one yeah okay so so the feast of the donkey basically celebrated all donkey related bible stuff no I'm not fucking joking It was all about, like, the donkey leading, like, the Holy Family and a flight to Egypt and getting them into, like, Bethlehem and all this other malarkey. So all good donkey Bible stuff. This was a celebration of it. It sort of was, like, a derivative of the Feast of Fools. And it was, like, really, really popular in France. And it became, like, a massive, massive thing from, like, the 12th century up until, I think, the 15th. And so... What would happen is they would get a donkey, like an actual donkey. He would be, or she, like I, I don't know the gender of the donkey involved actually, that would that's presumptive of me. So, the donkey is led in this procession through the centre of the wee French town all the way to the local church. Like, we're like an actual religious service is happening so they bring the donkey in and they bring the donkey up to the altar and he's she it, they they the donkey is there for the entirety of this service and everyone in the church responds to the donkey so every time the donkey is like e-haw everyone in the church the entire congregation hee haws in response. Hee haw. Hee haw. Like, like, regardless, like they could be doing prayers of the faithful, or I don't know, letters of Saint Paul to the Corinthians, who are just—they never wrote back. It just feels mean at this point. But yeah, so the 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 donkey would be celebrated, and and then. After the donkey, you know, leads the fucking church. Like, the mass run by a donkey, effectively. I mean, the priest is there. But he's he's not really relevant. And these massive fucking parties would follow. And they would be so wild. And they'd be such debauchery that it got to the point that, like, the Feast of the Ass was just banned. Like, in villages and towns all over France. Because they were like. We we can't handle this. Fuck this for a game of soldiers. No. You can't be doing this. It's it's too much. It's just too much. So that gets banned. And that's gone. And. Then you've got. The Lords of Misrule. Now this one ran I think up until. I want to say. Henry. The Eighth. So. The Lord of Misrule. Was like basically a jester or a clown or you know, comedy gold they would be in charge. So they would become mayor or ruler or I don't know, mayor? Mayor seems incorrect. But they would become like in charge of the city or the town or wherever they were and they would just be the boss and everybody would just have to follow their rules kind of like wife swap but with a jester instead of a wife and with you know an entire town full of citizens instead of just a family so yeah like that and they would basically make them do all sort of weird funny shit but like maybe putting a jester in charge is is not the best idea because this is gonna surprise you but shit got out of hand real fast and 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 here's the thing: if you think that putting a jester in charge was bad, imagine putting a three-year-old in charge. Oh no, that fucking happened. Like so. So you know how so far all of these have involved social inversion, where it's like flipping the sort of rows of society on its head. This was very much part of the Saturnalia festival. Sometimes a donkey will lead a congregation. Another time, a jester will run a fucking town. Or a child will become a boy bishop and be the head of the church for the day. Like, they they, they elected them. They would elect a child. Always a boy, obviously, because, you know, misogyny. But at one point, they were electing, like, fucking toddlers. Now, they can barely control their own sort of bell movements little alone emotions and you think this is who we want running the show it, it needless to say this did not usually end well although much less debauchery which i I think is I don't even know if that's a good thing or not Like, the Lord of Misrule and things like that, that was banned by Henry VIII. He was like, no, not keen on this. And, like, Mary had brought it back in, Mary the First, and then when Elizabeth came in, she banned it again. She was like, fucking no, that's gone. The Anglicans, man, super not into it. But, like, back in the day, Christmas wasn't just mumble things under your breath in cold buildings and also eat a giant piece of meat. It was, it was a big fucking festival it was a party it was like drinking and feasting and merriment and boozing and probably fucking and it was it was mardi gras right it was just raucous and raunchy and debauchery and just a good fucking time for those who wanted to have it and and because it was such this massive celebration like it became very um looked down upon by by the church and by christians and by puritans actually so the real war on christmas was started by the puritans because they're the ones who fucking banned it christians banned christmas okay so you've got on one hand oliver cromwell who doesn't he isn't fun is just not in his vocabulary i mean banning christmas is probably the least bad thing he did just saying but still not cool oliver not cool so when the puritans take over and you know they've cut off charles the first head and everything is just you know unpleasant you know there's no singing because that's bad there's no merriment because that's also bad because it's a sin smiling is probably a sin i don't fucking know they don't like anything. Joy is a bad emotion and a bad feeling. Apparently suffering is the only way to exist. Which kind of sounds a bit similar to what some Christian teachings say but that's neither here nor there. Ew. So, (laughs) So when Cromwell, you know, takes over he's like, fuck Christmas, nah, not having it. No merriment, no joy. No fun, no parties, no nothing. None of it. And and then over across to the colonies, the Puritans over in, I want to say, Massachusetts. Yes, yes, on the 11th of May, 1659, the Massachusetts Bay legislator just straight up bans Christmas. So yes, both sides of the Atlantic, the Christians ban Christmas. They're just like, fucking no, none of this. We don't like your feasting, your drinking your excess, you know, all the stuff that goes with it. And it's only when King Charles the Second, when he comes back that he just starts, like, reinstating the celebrations. He's like, no, bring back partying. Because it's... He's the merry monarch, you know? It's all good. And in America, it wasn't until, like, post-1776, uh, when the US, America, Northern America, wait, the United States of America became independent, it was only there that, you know, they really started celebrating Christmas again. And like for a good number of years, you could be fined like five shillings for celebrating Christmas. If you were caught celebrating Christmas, they'd find your ass. But anyway, back to the UK. By the time we get to the 1700s, the Christmas carolers are I'm going to say a rowdy bunch. I mean, when I say rowdy, I mean aggressive. So what they would do is they would just show up at your house and they would demand it. Kind of like whistling sailing or, or mummering and things like that. Kind of from that sort of vein. Like, you know, the thing is when it came to like the Halloween version of it, when they would show up and they would demand things you know it was was more of a oh we better protect ourselves from the spooky things and give you the shit more of a kind of understanding whereas this was a tad more aggressive um because they would threaten to break into your house steal your shit beat you up kill you assault you in many different ways uh you know You know, if they didn't get what they wanted. And what would happen as well is that, because some conniving groups, because there's always some, is they would literally use, like, carol singing as a ruse so they could, you know, just rob people, steal over shit and kill them. Because, you know, multitasking. But yes, in the 18th century, carol singers' men, they were all men, Usually we bit tipsy, at the very least. They would go from house to house, you know, threatening, destroying the property, like breaking all their shit and also singing songs, demanding stuff. So like, you know the Christmas car it's like Um, give us some figgy pudding and that's we won't stop until we get some. Yeah, that that's because they're like feed us or we will wreck your shit Which is A little bit more, more aggressive than one would like. And yeah, they would basically destroy stuff. Because if you didn't, you know, give them what the fuck they wanted, a lot of the times they would just break your door down, come inside, steal your shit, and and just go on their merry way. And this was such a huge problem that the church actually intervenes. You have ministers doing sermons, and they're complaining that, you know, caroling leads to like violence and wantonness and chambering. Um, they mean shagging, fucking, screwing. You know, because if you're if you're singing songs and drinking wine, you're just gonna fuck around. Hopefully consensually, because if it's consensual, it's okay. If it's not. Then you deserve to have your gullies put through a menser. Anyway. By the time we get to the Victorians, uh, this sort of Christmas resurgence takes place. And most of it is due to fucking Charles Dickens, who is just an awful human being. But damn, did he help Christmas. So it basically changed the concept of Christmas from being this drunken party for dudes into sort of being more evolved around like family and friends and all that kind of goodness, goodness, goodness. And Charles Dickens did that, and that's why like a lot of Christmas stuff is associated with snow, because Charles Dickens grew up in Victorian England, which is you know cold as fuck and snowy in the winter, and he like reminisced about it, and you know there we go. And that is where the whole Christmassy sort of turnabout happened and where it went from like a big partying, crazy, raucous rave for dudes, it became more like family based and all that kind of jazz. Like the Christmas tree itself was like a German tradition and it was brought in by like Queen Victoria and Albert. And, you know, and so obviously if they're doing it, everyone else is going to do it too. Because, you know, they, they, they were the celebrities of their day, really, when you think about it. And so, yes, that is a, a bunch of random information about Christmas. Ah, uh, I hope you liked me talking about festive things and that I made some coherent sense. I do hope. Now remember, if you liked this, or even if you didn't like it, maybe you just feel sorry for me. <laughs> I'm sick. Help me uh go and review go and review and rate five stars on apple podcasts or spotify if you're on apple podcasts just write something in the review box doesn't matter what you say you could tell me your favorite christmas cracker joke it doesn't matter i'd say it's not for my ego but it is a little bit because i like hearing nice things about me because i am a glutton for attention so that's just that's just how it is um, <laughs> and don't forget you can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, if Twitter still exists. Um, I'm either who did what now Pod or who did what now PD, because that's that. If you want to donate towards, um, the show surviving into the new year, uh, you can always go to, um, paypal.com and donate to what Pod at gmail.com. Also, links are in the description down below. Also, trying to link now. Yeah, if you're on social media, uh, just DM me because I will probably respond. Sometimes I have trouble responding to comments because there's just so many of them. And if I don't, like, designate a certain amount of my day to it, it's just not happening. So that's a fun thing. Trying not to cough so badly. My voice is really going. Uh, nothing else I want to say uh, uh, go watch Letter Kenny if you don't watch it already it's my current comfort thing, they're nice and short episodes and they're easy to consume Um, especially in this cold dank weather so I will chat to you next week which is, I'm so proud of next week's episode because I've been working on it for so long, I'm so proud and I will chat to you then Adios. Au revoir. Au revoir, my friends. Bye-bye.